0: Praise the Lord. And the clouds part on cue. <laughs> Here comes the sun. Praise the Lord. Let's begin with the word of prayer. Father, we can never pray too often or too much. We pray now, God, that you would soften our hearts, just like the point of the parable. A hard heart is just of no use because your seed of life can't penetrate. And give us the joy and the the blessing that you intend. So help us to keep tilling up that fallow ground. God it gets so hard, so so easily. It's our default mechanism to just go back to our stubborn ways. And we pray that you would um, touch our hearts, God. Open the eyes uh, of our understanding and help us put these truths into practice to be a blessing to you in jesus name amen all right so we have been winding down there in chapter 12 i hope you brought your bible since we don't have the screen and uh as matthew chapter 12 winds down so to the drama. And we're headed for a little break, a little eye of the storm time here. Uh, We have, um, most of the chapter has been a firestorm, has it not? Uh, The Pharisees, the religious leaders have been battling it out, a war of words with the Lord Jesus, and Jesus has been winning. (laughs) Amen. And so uh, the last couple of exchanges, (laughs) last week and the week before, very intriguing they the religious leaders the hypocrites jesus called them that they accused jesus of doing his miracle powers by the power of the devil himself and he accused them of being dumb and should know better than to think such things and that they were headed to the point of no return And then last week, they had this crazy request. They said, "Uh, teacher, we demand of you a sign. And they wanted him to turn his ministry into some sort of carnival freak show uh, with them uh, saying, jump this high and have him levitate or something like that. And Jesus said, really? He doesn't do magic tricks on cue like that? And he said, the only sign you guys are going to get is when I win and you lose. And so, sad to say, he was really saying that going to hell is a sign that Jesus is who he claims to be. So, chapter 12 winds down now and uh, begins to transition into... A teaching focus where we're introduced to the parables. And so it's a shift from the synagogues indoor to outdoor. <laughs> uh, and uh, it's timely for us. And uh, it go- there's a shift from straightforward teaching to more of storytelling. And the disciples will ask him now in chapter 13, uh, what's up with all of the stories? And he's going to answer that. Now, parables, there's about 35 of them officially in the Bible, but really up to about 200 little metaphors you can count in the gospels. Jesus is using a parable as a story from everyday life to make a theological point. And uh, he uses everyday illustrations. Uh, He says, hey, think of heaven and God and salvation kind of like baking bread or kind of like going fishing or kind of like headed to a big party or a wedding. And so there's always one aha moment at the end of these stories called parables. And so it would be like, you know, saying to somebody, let me tell you about this young man who would swim through shark infested waters to bring a lemonade to his girlfriend now there's one way of saying that only he really loves this girl or you can tell that little story and really a picture paints a thousand words and that's what parables are meant to do. And so, uh, by the way, Jesus is really the only one in the New Testament who uses storytelling like that. And because it's a fulfillment of messianic prophecy that the Messiah would speak in these little metaphors, these little stories that contain spiritual truths. And so this morning you're going to meet the first official parable. He's been telling them because the disciples are going to say, what's up with all of the stories? So we know it's not really the first one, but it's the first one that's recorded here in Matthew 13. And how it is laid out here is that the first nine verses, he gives the little story. And then through verses 10 through 17, he explains why he's using these little stories that are uh, very clear to, to believers, but not so clear to the outside people. And so he's going to say there's a practical reason for telling the stories and a prophetic reason for telling the stories. And then he's going to walk through the story of the the, uh, the farmer who's sowing seed, who meets four kinds of soils, which represent the four kinds of responses that people have in their hearts to the seed, which is the gospel, the word of God that brings salvation once it's it's allowed to germinate within our souls. And so what? what's cool about this first parable is that he walks through it and explains it. It's kind of like the template for all the stories to come. We can see, oh, everything sort of has a spiritual meaning. And so the, they're symbolic of something else. And so after he explains it, it's a lot easy to see that. And so what I want to do this morning is if you see that in your bibles matthew 13 it's laid out as i said first a little bit of the story about the farmer and then the the disciples take him aside and say what's up with all the stories and then he gives a rather elaborate explanation for why he's telling stories and then he explains what it is so what i want to do is kind of take it out the middle first and talk about why he's telling the stories, it's just as important as the story itself. It's just as meaty and more difficult to understand really and so we'll attack that first and then we'll go to the story and its meaning and and put that as one and so that's our plan for this morning and so we're going to pick up if you've got your bible at verse 10 with the explanation he gives his disciples for turning to storytelling and it's not like a fable with jesus these stories are teaching stories Starting at verse 10 to 13. Verse 10, Matthew 13. The disciples came to him and asked, Why do you speak to the people in parables? He replied, Well, the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you, but not to them. The bad guys are standing there, the Pharisees, and those who follow them. Verse 12. Jesus continues and says, you know, whoever has understanding or truth will be given more. And he will have an abundance. But whoever doesn't have this understanding, this truth, I'm filling this in for you, even when he has, he'll lose the truth that he does think he knows. Verse 13. This is why I speak to them in parables. And now he's going to start to quote a verse from Isaiah. He says, those seeing they do not see. Though hearing, they don't hear or understand. And so we're underway now. And if you're taking notes, first the explanation. And as I told you, this is part one of the explanation, the practical reason Jesus is using these little stories. And then we'll move to the prophetic, and then we'll dive into the actual story of the parable of the sower. And so he says, really, if there's a practical purpose here, he says it's in response to the polarizing of the crowds. They're very distinct now. Those who are for Jesus, those who are open, those who are taking his truth and applying it, and those who have hardened their hearts and said, Even though they understand, they don't want anything to do with God or his truth. And so he has two groups now. And he's going to respond to those two groups by speaking in parables. That's what he's saying. In other words, in short, he says here in your text, these stories are going to make it easier for believers, but these stories are going to make it harder for my enemies. The same sun softens wax and hardens clay. You see, it depends on what's going in on in our hearts and lives. And Now listen to me. Jesus is never the victim. He is always the victor. So if people are going to play games with him, he's way ahead of the game. And he's going to, if you want to harden your heart and do the things you should not do... And, and, and become opposed to God in truth then uh, Jesus is going to use that and almost bless that and this is the point here and so backing up to verse 10 the disciples have noticed the change in his teaching style man you got a lot of stories what's up with that and so uh, he answers and notice what he says in verse 11 heaven's mysteries are being revealed to you but not them and the only reason they're not being revealed to them is because they don't want them, because God is a revealer to anybody who seeks and asks and is is open. But when people lock and bolt the door and they know, I know who it is out there, knock, 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 the Holy Spirit, uh, God is a perfect gentleman. And he says these stories uh, are being uh, given to you to help you understand uh, the truth of heaven and you know the fact that we do see the truth and understand is proof that god's favor is resting upon our lives because nobody is going to understand anything about god in heaven and salvation unless it's revealed to you this is the point here and that like remember when uh jesus said to peter uh who do you think i am And he says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus says, I'll tell you what, you didn't think of that on your own. (laughs) You had help from your father above showed you that. And anything that you come upon is not because we're smart enough and one day we figured it all out. It's that (laughs) in spite of us. God opens the eyes of our hearts. And anybody who does, but if you don't want them open over and over and over again, he says, I'll help you close them. I'll help you close them. Yeah, and so, in short here, to those who are seeking and appreciate the truth, he says, uh, the stories make the truth plain and simple. And then he says, at the same time, they veil the truth from those who just trample it. They don't appreciate it. They'll twist it and use it against you. It reminds me of when he says, hey, you guys use discretion when you're sharing the sacred gospel pearls of wisdom. He says, you don't cast that before swine. You know what they do with a pearl necklace? They'll just trample it into the muck and mire, and then they'll turn and tear you to pieces. So use some discernment when you're sharing something sacred with people who don't appreciate or value sacred things. I do want to clarify that we're not talking about a casual disinterest in spiritual things but rather somebody who kind of gets it and intentionally is setting their heart and mind against God and biblical truth and they'll say oh yeah God well I challenge you to a duel well here the Lord says let's do this let's do this Now, King David wrote a song that kind of nails the idea of what Jesus means by giving the parable to help those who want to be helped and hinder those who are on the opponent's side. Uh, King David wrote this in Psalm 18, to the pure you show yourself pure. To those who have honest motives, you deal honestly with them, you show yourself blameless. But to the crooked, you show yourself shrewd. You rescue the humble, but you bring down the proud. And that's what's going on. You play games with God. He says, I'll play games with you, but I win every time. And and I'm hoping I don't win. I want you to win by surrendering your life to me. And so, uh, in short, God's enemies, they don't drift casually over the red line he helps them over the red line because uh, even though he loves them and it is in his heart that none perish but all come to repentance and have life second peter chapter 3 verse 9 ezekiel thirty three eleven. As surely as I live, God taking an oath, I find no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but rather that they turn from their wicked ways and live. And so that's his heart. But if you want to come against him, he says, you're messing with the wrong deity there. And so (laughs) verse 12, just kind of interesting, he says that appreciating and utilizing truth is a cumulative effect as well as neglecting truth and not acting on the truth. Uh, In other words, the more truth you have and want and seek and the more open you are, the more you get. That's what your verse 12 says. But he says, to him who doesn't have the truth, even the very little light that he has will be snuffed out. You'll lose it." it. It's really... Like we have the expression, use it or lose it. So it's not just about muscle tone. It's about spiritual life as well. And so uh, one person, one commentator put it this way. Uh, and, and he says, when, <laughs> when you have a little bit of truth, and you don't want any more, and you're resistant and close, you lose that, and you become foolish. And so one writer said, when a person bows down to worship the image of an elephant, when human beings attribute this vast, intricately designed universe to a chance explosion, when somebody will pay somebody good money to read their palm and make decisions in their life based on what a fortune teller says at the corner of Mendo and 4th Street, He says, God is giving them over to their desire to exchange truth for a lie. And so truth gradually drains out of their souls like a slow leak in a bike tire, which manifests itself in Romans chapter 1 with people driving on a flat exchanging the truth of god for a lie and the lifestyle that they would call wise and right and good and healthy is absolutely just the opposite and so verse 13 sums it up there and jesus parables lead some to the light and help others remain blind And now the second reason he says, and besides, it's a fulfillment of what Isaiah chapter 6 has to say. He says, really, uh, it's a sad description, isn't it? Here, I'll read it to you. Verses 14 through 17. So in them, and he's talking about the Pharisees and the Sadducees who have a PhD in Bible. Do you understand that? Do you understand that they are called in the Bible doctors, with law degrees, the law is means the Bible. They're actually called doctors, so they they have their Ph.D.s in Bible, and they want to crucify the Son of God, even though there's 300 prophecies in Hebrew Scriptures, the the Jewish word for Bible, Tanakh. It's right there in their own scriptures. So he says, in them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah chapter 6, 9, and 10. You will be always hearing, but never learning or understanding. You will be always seeing, but never perceiving. Verse 15, For this people's heart has become callous. The word in the Greek is fat, and it implies a laziness to think deeply. They hardly hear with their ears, and they've closed their eyes. Right. I mean, it's not a blindness it's a willful blindness. They close their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn, and I would heal them. And then he says, But you guys, verse 16, you're blessed. Your eyes are blessed because they see. You have eyes and they work. You actually hear with the ears that God gave you. That's wonderful. Verse 17, he says, For I tell you the truth, many prophets and men who were right with god there or righteous men long to see what you see but they didn't get that chance to see it or to hear what you have heard and so we're on part two of the explanation of why all the stories all of a sudden and he goes to isaiah 6 and says it's a fulfillment that the messiah would use these kinds of cryptic stories now now they're only cryptic if to the bad guys because the bad guys don't have any truth so they don't have any grid they don't have any structure to understand anything if you don't have god if you don't have the bible's truth how do you make sense of anything and so jesus will tell a simple story about baking bread and they're all confused what's he talking about oh he's talking about some woman baking bread you know <laughs> he they she puts yeast in it and and it spreads everywhere Poor. Oh what kind of teacher is that a smart one <laughs> a very smart one because we get it and they're left scratching their heads you know there's a parable <laughs> about uh, god letting down a net and he says it's a pretty simple story the kingdom of heaven is like a net that goes down and and it pulls up all kinds of fish right good fish and bad fish and so the guys get in on shore and they sit there and they sort them out good fish bad fish good fish bad fish good fish bad fish that's what it's going to be like at the end of the age judgment day and, and so they, they walk away from that going uh, you know hey what's he talking about this time he's talking about fish <laughs> Yeah, you're talking about one's a good fish and one's a bad fish, you know, let's kill this guy. You know, they don't understand anything. Even a simple five-year-old. So so to call these stories cryptic, they're cryptic. If you harden your heart to the truth of God, then nothing makes sense. You're flying by, you're upside down. How can you understand life if you've rejected the God who has brought life to be you see and so it's fulfilling this he says in them and uh, you know timothy paul tells timothy in second timothy chapter 3 and verse 7 the false teachers like the pharisees are always learning but never coming to the knowledge of the truth and it's so sad for these experts in the bible you know what does proverbs say The beginning of wisdom is to fear God. To revere God is the start of making sense of life. So if you don't revere God, who Jesus said, I am the truth, I don't just tell you the truth. Guess what? I actually am what's true. I'm the definition of truth. And if you don't have Christ, you can't know what's true because he is true. And so... Uh, in other words, really, uh, you have a bunch of knowledge. One writer said how awful to always be growing academically and having the truth elude you at every turn. When the heart is hard against God, it leaves a man full of facts and void of life, the life that Jesus came to bring. Yeah, it's, it's sad when you see smart people missing the simple truth, because to understand the simple truth, you have have to have a right heart. And if you love your sin more than life itself, right, then you're not going to be able to uh, have the sense to understand uh, what's right, what's good, what's not. Uh, One of my oncologists, 20 years ago, when I had a bad case of Hodgkin's lymphoma, a blood cancer, uh, when I failed chemotherapy and radiation, I had to have a bone marrow transplant at UCSF. And one of the most uh, smartest doctors there, the head of the program there, was my doctor. And after I receive my stem cells back, stem cells are half cells which can become any kind of cell in the body. And so when they destroy all your blood, which they had to do in my case, there are seven kinds of blood cells that that keep you alive. And when after they destroy your blood, they give you back your own stem cells. And they mysteriously turn into all seven of those kinds of blood cells. And so when they were repopulating me and grafting, the doctor says to me, that is amazing. They're grafting. And he says, I can see it a thousand times and I still marvel and just wonder at the mystery. How do those cells know what to do? And I said, I got an answer. I got an answer. Pick me, pick me, pick me. You know, and it's not interested i said well, listen god made the body we are fearfully and wonderfully made and it's like yeah yeah all right moving on i got patience to see <laughs> if you miss the truth about god what else really matters and so One more little thought here, and then we'll dive in. Uh, But this whole idea of having eyes that don't see and knowledge that, that doesn't make any difference, like the PhDs in religion who come out and give interviews for liberal uh, talk shows, uh, NPR interviews at Easter and Christmas time. A PhD in religion and the Bible, and they call it In Search of the Real Jesus (laughs) at Christmas and Easter. We're looking for the real one. We don't want to look in the Bible for the fake one. The fake one who tells us, oh, you've got to die to your sins and 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 bow the knee to a Lord and live for God and him alone. Oh, we don't want that one. That's the fake one. Let's look outside of the Bible for the real Jesus. And after all, they have a PhD in such things. And they're looking and say, there he is over there. It's really sad. And so Jesus says in verse 15, they have callous or fat, lazy hearts. And he says their ears are plugged with a waxy buildup. Yeah, he doesn't say waxy buildup, but he does say their ears are plugged. And so he says, I want to open their hearts and their eyes. I would want to heal them, but they are not willing. Verses 16 and 17, then a benediction to those who are blessed be able to see and what i love in verse 17 he says how blessed are you he says Many uh, very important, influential people throughout the ages wanted to see what you get to see, and you see it. You have a Bible on your lap. You have knowledge in your hearts and minds. How blessed are you? And I started thinking about that. Many brilliant minds have questioned, why am I here? What's the purpose of life? How to make life work? What happens after you die? And Jesus says, do you know how many brilliant minds throughout the ages, wanted to know the answer to those questions. And guess what? He says, guess who's blessed? You. Who would have ever thought that you would have the answer over Socrates and Plato and Aristotle and Kant and all of these other dudes I wrote down here, Marx and Kirkingard and Einstein and Edison, none of them bowed the knee, but you. You bowed the knee, and God opened your eyes. And so now we know fully why all the stories. And let's go to the story and finish up with that, starting at verse 3. A farmer went out to sow. And as he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path. And the birds came and ate it all gone. And now I'm going to skip to 19, to the... to the explanation of what it means. Verse 19, so Jesus says, when anyone hears the message about the kingdom and doesn't understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is the seed sown along the path. So let's talk here. A farmer goes out to to sow seed. Uh, Jesus is going to say in Luke's account, Luke adds that Jesus says, that would be me or anybody who sows in my name so anybody who shares the gospels the farmer in the story and the seed of course is the word of god that god has encoded and enabled in his word that once it gets into the heart boom it can bring eternal life faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, Romans chapter 10 and verse 17. So the power of God's word is the first thing you want to notice here. I mean, it's not like throwing around Huckleberry Finn or Tom Sawyer. It's throwing around supernaturally impacted, powerful dynamite that will change somebody's life and change their destiny for sure. And so I want you to notice a couple of things right here, right from the outset, the generous spray. So the farmer's broadcasting, what a great analogy, what a great word for the gospel. He's broadcasting the seed. And what they used to do is sometimes they'd go out first and throw the seed and then plow it in later and so either way he's sowing the seed and he's generous so generous that it ends up going all over the place even he hits some on the path and some falls over here and there why because god our god our savior wants all to come to the knowledge of the truth and be saved and so he says my friends oh you may think there's no soil over there it looks like a hard lost soul case Throw this seed try pelting it over there and seeing what happens, man. So you never know. You made to be downtown at the square with protesters. Somebody told me that they had the opportunity to share the gospel there amidst a crazy, uh, angry, frustrated situation, and yet they shared the gospel. God gave them a, a, an in and out came the seed and he tossed it in there and he said, I think it went in. I think it went in. And so, yeah, I mean, it falls all over the place. In communist countries, uh, when you're uh, downtown, when you're at school, when you're at the gym, you just throw that seed. Well, I got saved in a bar, in a bar with my brother, you know, because seed came in there, you know. Just throw out that seed. Paul led many prisoners in his jail cell. He's just, wherever I am, i got the seed here. Hold on here. And you throw it out there. And he says, sadly, yeah, some seed falls on, on the path and it it just ricochets off. And if it can't get in, it can't do its work. And so, and then he says, then it's just laying there. The thought of the gospel hits an unbeliever who says, no, thank you, not interested. Boom, hard right and so it leaves the seed vulnerable to the birds of the air and then jesus says oh that's satan's favorite thing he sees that the gospel just went on went out to this needy soul who rejected it and so the job of the demons is to blind their eyes and to move in swiftly and remove the thoughts and distract them and say, look over here and forget about that. And, and let's just get busy with things that matter today. That's his job. I like what Paul said in, to the Corinthians. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ who is the image of God. So it's really dangerous. <laughs> and And by the way, it's not just unbelievers who have hard hearts. We go through seasons. And if you want God to to continue to do a wonderful work in your heart, watch out for a hard heart. It comes so quickly. It'll be the end of your your fruitfulness. It won't be the end of your salvation if you're truly saved. So he goes on to the shallow soil. Some Verse 5, some fell on rocky places where it didn't have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. And verse twenty explains. The one who received the seed that fell on rocky places is the man who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. but since he since he has no root, this is really a harsh kind of uh, way to describe somebody saying, because the person is shallow, that's their character. There's no room for something like the word of god and uh he only lasts a short time when trouble or persecution comes because of the word he quickly falls away all right so the shallow believer so in israel there'd be a little bit of soil uh, right on top maybe an inch thick no more on top of the bedrock and sometimes the seed goes there and there's this he says it quickly uh, um, there's emotional conversion, and there's tears and there's promises. and there's, oh, Pastor Roth, I've, oh, I've never heard a sermon like that in my whole life. You know, and this is, sorry <laughs> you know, and 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 then, uh, you know, after three weeks and they find out, they have to move out from their girlfriend or their boyfriend, or their their old friends are, are blocking them on Facebook, and this is becoming quite a sacrifice for them. They just des- they decide that this isn't the life for them. So yeah, uh, he's talking about the emotional kinds of uh, responses that don't go very deep. He has no root in himself. He's a shallow kind of guy. Uh, he's had has no interest in the weightier matters of life, nothing beyond a momentary thrill. You know, life is about school, uh, getting a job, getting married, raising kids, taking a vacation, retiring, and die. End of story. And in between, there's a lot of reality TV, social media, and video games. That's about it. And then, interesting in verse 21, they fall away well they never were saved they were never saved but the word to fall away means to become offended so they get offended that god would allow whatever it is to trip them up and that's the understanding they say well if this is the way it is this just isn't working for me, this Christian life. And so, yeah, you know, it's not supposed to be working for you. You're supposed to be working for him. Amen. (laughs) And so, yeah, one writer said this, and then we move to the seed that got strangled to death. Um, This parable should teach believers who tend to be a bit naive. Not everyone who claims to be a Christian is one. We find out, later after the sun comes up and troubles come jesus said listen in this world you're going to have a lot of trouble but be of good cheer i've overcome it and then in acts it says through many afflictions we enter the kingdom of god and then in first peter chapter 4 and verse 12 he says you christians what are you acting like something strange is happening oh no you're being persecuted and your life is hard He says, why are you acting like this should surprise you? You were appointed for such things, you see? But those who don't get it rooted all the way in, uh, it's just a little bit too much. And now to the seed that gets choked to death. The first guy, is he saved? No way. The path? Uh Uh-uh. The second guy? No way. There was no root. No way. The third guy? Some say yes. He's a shipwrecked, saved believer with nothing to show for it in heaven, which I tend to think. And others say, no. Either way, why do you want to be in category three? You just don't want to be there anyway. But so he says, other seed, verse 7, fell among the thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. And then verse 22, the explanation, The one who received the seed that fell among the thorns is the guy who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke it out, making him unfruitful. So the thorns and the briars of life, well, what are they? He says the worries of this life and then also the cares of this life. Keep them out of the garden of your heart. Uh, Along our back fence at at our house, there's some uh, blackberry bushes and you know briars and all of that. What an invasive, monstrous mess. And God helped the little plant that would be near that root system. It just entangles everything, right? It's just the monster of a plant. and And so God says that worldly pleasures and cares, inordinate desires like that, are kind of clutter of the heart? They're a choking hazard to your spiritual life, right? The worries of this world. We listen. God says, work hard, be responsible, provide for your families. You've got a plan. He even talks about uh, savings and retirement. All of this is good stuff. But he says, when when that's your priority over the the work of God in your heart, what God has for you. Spiritual priorities, she says, that'll choke the life right out of you. There'll be no fruit on your tree because all you care about is me, myself, and I, instead of the true Trinity, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And so, you know, we do our part to weed the garden. The Word of God has a place. We catch ourselves the Holy Spirit saying, hey, you're a little unbalanced here. All you think about night and day is you, you, get, get. You know there's enough uh, challenges in life. There's all kinds of things, threats, opportunities, troubles, relationship issues, wants and desires. But he says, listen, you're given to envy and jealousy and covetousness and being insecure. And our hearts get all cluttered with all kinds of other loves. And he says, it will choke the life of God right out of you. Careful. You live in a culture that's just saying, you're not happy until you get this. You need more, more, more. And Jesus says, to have me and my grace, it's sufficient. And then he says, there'll be no fruit on your tree, no fruit of the spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, none of that's able to develop in you because you're all about stuff here. That doesn't bring the nursing sap up so that you can be effective and productive. No uh, serving the Lord, no no reward in heaven, right? Because really you're still saved perhaps, but you're, no, you're useless to God when you're all about the stuff of this life to the um, exclusion of God and his work. So let's finish up with the fruitful good soil. All right. So verse eight, and we're done here. Still other seed fell on good soil, where produced the crop 160 and 30 times what was sown. Now, one commentator said, do you know 100 times uh, would be like more than crazy. I mean, Jesus is just like blowing their minds here. They're like, wow, wouldn't that be awesome, right? So verse 23, the explanation, but the one who received the seed that falls on good soil is the man or the woman who hears the word, understands it, and they produce a crop yielding 160 or 30 times what is sown. And so, of course, all God expects for good soil is a willingness to hear the word of God. That's all we did. And God tills the soil and he makes it receptive to uh, receive that, that, that little seed that will bring eternal life. And so he says in your text, they're the ones that hear and they understand they open they surrender you know I, I i remember standing on the sidewalk outside of the bar i had the word of god just kind of went from my head to my heart and and it produced life and i just understood and i surrendered right away and i said and that root went down into soil that god had tilled and made ready you see so uh, those with good soil in their heart they recognize that god's work and his business and his concerns have to be first, have to have a priority. And he says, they'll produce fruit in differing amounts. I love this. He says, some Christians are more productive than others, but they're based it's based on what his calling is. and your ability and my ability. In different, in different giftings and, and the, the the differing amounts of being productive is is should cause everybody to just breathe uh, a sigh of relief that everybody's life is important to God, whether there's a lot of fruit on the tree or just a couple pieces. Now about fruitfulness, I love this because I started thinking about one seed, an apple seed, right? One apple seed becomes this tree, right? And one tree produces 100 apples in a season, about on average. And each apple has five seeds. So every season, you're talking about from that one seed, 500 seeds a season. And an apple tree lives about 80 years, Now, if it lives 80 years and has 100 apples a season, a year, then we're talking about 8,000 apples from one seed. God is saying, if that's true in nature, can you imagine what I can do with your life? One little word of God. Remember I told you about the guy. I was a Pepsi merchandiser, and I had a relationship with a friend who was a Coke merchandiser. And so we used to merchandise the same stores. And he used to call me the enemy. (laughs) And and I used to have names for him as well. And and, and so let's call him Sergio because how did you know that? And i told you the story before. And, and we didn't really get along. We were cordial, but we didn't really. It was all tongue-in-cheek. I didn't even really have a natural affection for the guy, right? But I saw him and whatever. He used to say, you move so slow. What are you, on vacation? You know, one Pepsi can, two Pepsi cans, three Pepsi cans. And I said, I'm taking my time. I'm not in any rush. He says, well, you need to move faster, man. Whatever, I told him, right? So one day he comes in and he says, hey, I got to talk to you. About something I'm really, I'm really grateful to you. I said, for what? And he goes, and what you said, my whole life has changed I've stopped drinking. I'm off of the couch. I'm back with my wife. I'm going in this church now. They sing so many songs. <laughs> but I kind of like it, you know? And he goes, I just want to. Thank you. That's for what you said. And I'm like, oh. What did I say? What did I say to this guy? I don't really. I don't want to say I didn't like him, but I, you know, I didn't really like him. <laughs> <laughs> Much I loved him in the Lord, but yeah. So apparently I said something. He he let on that I inadvertently let some gospel word of God out of my mouth, and it accidentally left my lips and slipped into the soil of his heart, and sprang up and changed him from a hell-bound sinner to a spirit-filled Christian going to heaven forever. And it all happened, what? Just because one little seed got out and into him. And that's what the parable is all about. The power and the fruitfulness of the supernatural nature of what you got there in the word of God. Let's pray together. Father, God, we are so thankful this morning for your love and for your word, your goodness to us, God. Lord, it's just so good to remind ourselves of the simple little story about a farmer and seed, the seed that we've received in our hearts that have set them free and given us new life, took us off the wide road that leads to destruction, and set us upon the straight and narrow path that leads to life. And only if you find it, right? God, that's the whole point. It's only one in four. It's 25% success rate. Narrow is the way that leads to life, and few there be that find it. We thank you, God, for the privilege of being the sowers in the story and help us to sow generously and wisely and scatter that seed all over the place that others might come to the knowledge of the truth and be saved. In Jesus' name, amen. You've been listening to The Rock's podcast. Our regular services are held on Sunday mornings at 8, 9.30, and 11.30 a.m. in Santa Rosa, California. If you'd like to learn more, please visit our website at cctherock.org.